Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple in Under 10 Minutes. This is the podcast where we take the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can get started today. And we're going to do that in under 10 minutes. And we're going to take a concept today and break it down. This is actually our second try at this podcast episode. It was so tricky. I got tripped up midway through that we just had to scrap it and start all over. So bear with us as we go through this one again. But you don't know any of that because you're listening to the, the perfect version. Mm-hmm. It's Hollywood magic right here. Yep. So today we always like to talk about starting with the end in mind. And as an investor looking to get into multifamily syndications, you have to understand what your investment parameters are. What type of investor are you? What's your risk profile? What type of returns are you looking for? Once you have that, then it's a matter of going out and finding the right operators that are executing the correct business plan. So what we're going to talk about today are those business plans that those operators could be executing. So Dan, from a high level, what are some of the ways and business models that an operator might be executing? Yes, there's a few of them. And it's really important to go through this mental exercise, uh, especially if you're newer, because one might think that they want to get into real estate and think that, okay, all these real estate opportunities are essentially the same. When in reality, um, real estate's a very broad term. And within the multifamily class real estate, there's a few, at least uh, you know, four we've got identified here, different business models that one could be following, one of which is uh, new development. So just buying vacant land or maybe land with something weird on it that's going to get bulldozed down and a brand new structure is erected and leased up. Another one might be a yield play, which might also be called a turnkey operation. Uh, That's something where there isn't really a big value add component. Uh, As soon as the investor takes it over, it's producing cash flow and it's just generating cash flow. And that's pretty much it. There's not a huge equity upside uh, component of it. Next option would be a value add type of deal what we really like to do. And it's a, a step between uh, the, the yield play or the, um, uh, the turnkey option and what's coming next. So value add, uh, div- uh, value add business plan would be one where you buy an asset that is uh, performing currently, but could be performing better. It could be um, increasing the income or decreasing the expenses or both, but there's some way that the operator can force some appreciation. And then last but not least, or maybe it is least, is the Mm. distressed asset class. So if you are an operator that's looking for war zone properties for dirt cheap prices um, and you don't mind the headache and the time and the the risk of of getting into those types of deals, you can buy something for really, really cheap and do a ton of work and dump a ton of capital into it and end up with a lot of equity appreciation. All right. So let's take these and break them down from lowest risk, lowest returns and build up to the big boys that offer the biggest pop, those big, big returns. But in exchange, 
there's also a lot more risk. So mm-hmm. at the very bottom of this pyramid, we'll call it, is the turnkey or the the yield plays. And so these are typically very nice high-end buildings, like class A apartment buildings, luxury, that when you're driving around town, you see those really nice uh, plush apartments. These are those. And these are a nice safe play because they're already at the top of the the market in terms of the the amount of uh, rent that they're demanding. So there's not an opportunity to go in there and drive additional value. So these are great for really risk averse investors like institutions or just an individual who wants a steady hedge against inflation and they want solid cash flow, maybe in that five to 6% range, but there's not going to be a ton of appreciation. So when you go to sell these properties, they're more or less worth what they're, what they're currently at. And so there might be a little bit of a pop, but it's not going to be very big by comparison to if you were in a value add deal. So you kind of already alluded to what value add is, but let's go into that a little bit more in depth. Yeah. And I, I'd even push back on the cash on cash on the, on the yield play or on the uh, turnkey stuff a little bit, because, you know, if you're looking at class A stuff, the type of stuff that institutional investors are looking at, I think those guys are really satisfied with maybe know, three, three to, to five. Yeah, yeah. Something in there. I mean, it's really just, can we get at least inflation and maybe a smidge more? So it's a place to dump money and a hedge against inflation really. So mm-hmm. Um, yeah, low risk, but returns are not the most exciting. So the next one up would be the value add uh, business model. So that's what we really love. Um, you get that existing asset that's already producing cash flow from day one, uh, but you have the ability to go in there and force appreciation, uh, either increasing the income of the property or decreasing expenses or both. Um, we love that because we get, uh, you know, that equity appreciation component in a way that it is in our control where we go in and we do the work and we're not hoping that the market's just going to get better. And we get paid. Uh, we get paychecks uh, via the cash flow while we're executing that business model. So it's cash flow from day one. Cash flow gets better and better as we execute that business model. And we get a nice equity pop that gives us the ability to do a cash out refi, pull some of that equity out if we like. Um, so it's a really great kind of Goldilocks zone uh, uh type of deal, in my opinion, between, you know, class A turnkey and, you know, what we'll get into uh, shortly here, which is the more distressed types of assets. Yeah. And on the value add side, you're going to be looking at returns anywhere between maybe eight to 10% cash on cash and an IRR around 15 to 20%. So like these are really good returns and we like them because they're already performing assets. By comparison, we have distressed deals and distressed is a lot like value add, but on steroids, we're going into these buildings that require a lot of heavy lifting. They might have crack instead of steroids, really. Yeah, maybe kind of what you're getting. yeah, yeah. Like there, there's there's something going on here, and what that means is like we might need to get rid of all the tenants. It might be a foreclosed build or like a, for, a forbidden building or uh, a condemned building rather, and we might need to go in there and do some plumbing, some foundation work. There's probably going to be unit upgrades. These might be really old buildings. There's a lot going on. There's a lot wrong with these, and but the thing is, where there's problems, there's usually opportunity. And so if you can go in there and make these upgrades and improve the building, bring it up to market standard, there might be a massive pop at the end. But in the meantime, there's probably no cash flow in the meantime. And so that means that there's a lot of risk associated with these assets. But if you're you know, not a very risk averse investor, if you're playing on a long time frame and you want those big returns, this might be a really good fit for you. Now, one step up from that, I don't know if it's even if it's riskier or better returns. I'd say it's kind of comparable in some ways as a distressed deal. We have our development deals. And so this is where we're going and we're 
taking a plot of land or we're ripping down an old building. Maybe it was a distressed building. We rip it down and we build something new there. So Dan, why is this associated with risk, but also pretty good returns? Yeah. So I think the risk component comes from uh, really the timeline on these deals. Um, When you're starting to put together the business plan for something like this, uh, you're looking out, depending on the size of the project, you're looking out at least, you know, six to 12 months, maybe uh, more than that. So maybe a year and a half even to when you're actually going to be done building it and starting to lease it up. And a lot can change in that time period. So say, for example, you started plans to build a building in a uh, you know, a really popular urban downtown area around uh, mid, you know, early 2019. And your plan was to build this property and start leasing it up spring of 2020. All right. You can see where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot can change where you're already fully in this deal. You're dumping money into it. There's construction going on. By the time 2020 hits and you realize that the the paradigm has changed drastically and this might not be the best place to build a building and lease it up right now, you're already into it. So you can't really pivot. Uh, whereas if you're buying an existing asset with like a forced appreciation model, you know, you, you could pivot at the last minute if something changes. But by the time, uh, basically the long timeline, I think presents a lot of risk because mm-hmm. you, you, you don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of years. So if something changes, uh, you might be halfway through a business plan that uh, might not be the most appropriate. Mm. Anytime that you have to like project out multiple years and survive until this asset can start producing cash flow and start justifying its existence, there's going to be a little bit more risk. But the plus side is you're going in to add complete value to something where there was no value before. It's just a blank plot of land or an old building. You're ripping it down. So you're adding tremendous value to that neighborhood, to that community. So theoretically, you stand to be rewarded very handsomely if everything goes to plan. So those are from a high level, just four of the most common ways that people are investing in multifamily real estate. They're very different. They're not for every investor. Then again, they could be, you might have a place in your portfolio, just diversify and have a little bit in development, a little bit in value add, a little bit in distress. Like there is no wrong way. So you can mix and match and play with them all, but that's going to do it for us today, guys. I think we did it. We made it through the entire episode without me flubbing. So (laughs) only two takes. Only two takes. (laughs) So we'll catch you guys next week. Appreciate you. Thanks guys. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.